Welcome to Medical Minefield, where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Barney Kalman, health editor at The Mail on Sunday, and with me today is the peerless Eve Simmons. Hello. So I know you were very disappointed that I didn't live stream my vaccination. I was. I, that was what I was waiting for. Tops off the whole lot, I expect. Exactly. As much flesh on the show as possible. It's not that I didn't think it was a momentous and moving moment. I mean, we've been talking about getting the vaccine since almost the start of the pandemic. Um, but if you look at the statistics, I think around 60 million doses have now been given. There are more than 20 million adults fully vaccinated now. But there seems to be this anomaly developing now that so many people are vaccinated. I saw on Twitter someone mentioned this, that they'd had two doses of the vaccine, but then had received a call from NHS Trace and Test and Trace and Track or whatever they're called. Test and Trace? Test and Trace. Track and Trace. Track and Trace. One of those. Telling them that, that they'd been in contact with someone with COVID and had to isolate. And... Lots of the scientists on Twitter were saying, actually, there's no point to this. And it got me thinking, I mean, this must be going on quite a lot now, especially now we've got this new variant, slight rise in cases, more people being vigilant, perhaps, than were a few months ago. Yeah, it's something that we, I mean, full disclosure, we mentioned it in the paper last weekend because it's something that we had heard about and we had some readers who wrote into us saying this has happened to them and it's quite sad because a lot of them have had underlying health conditions and so have spent most of the pandemic shielding and then obviously were absolutely thrilled to have their second vaccination and felt it was freedom and then all of a sudden they're told, nope, you've got to stay inside again. I mean, I'd never really thought about it, but when we look into it, you know, other countries are lifting restrictions on people who've had double vaccination. So in America, there's not so many restrictions. I don't think you even need to wear a mask if you've had two jabs. Is that right? Yes. So that was a recent new release of guidance from the CDC, the Centre for Disease Control. They've said that fully vaccinated people now, it's interim guidance, so just kind of temporary. They say that they're watching the evidence as it emerges. But mm. right now, if you have had two doses of your vaccine, you do not have to self-isolate if you get contacted by a contact tracer um, because you've been in contact with someone who has had COVID. And you also don't have to quarantine when you come back from a country. So when you've travelled abroad and you also don't have to wear a mask. And I suppose our, our rules are, even if you've been double vaccinated, you still have to go through the rigmarole of the various tests and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, so we have no exemptions for people who are doubly vaccinated. Although Boris Johnson has said that it's personal choice, whether you socially distance, which, you know, is related to your personal risk. And obviously, whether you've had the vaccine affects your personal risk. I mean, what are the quarantine rules at the moment anyway? So it's you have to self-isolate for 10 days if you get pinged by NHS test and trace. And that's the first day is the day that you came into contact with the person who has COVID. And there's no kind of get out of jail, have a test or anything like that? No, not that I am aware of. It's the full 10 days. And if you've been travelling? If you've been travelling, it's also 10 days. Hmm. So not inconsequential? No, I think it probably feels much longer than it is. I think in the back of my mind, I'm thinking there was a time when we wondered whether people who had been vaccinated could carry the virus and then give it to other people. So I presume this is where the caution's coming from. But look, I think first, let's hear from someone who has been inconvenienced by this situation. 
Yes, on the line now is Moira Bygrave, who is 70 and she's from Wales. Moira was pinged by the NHS app uh, and was told that she has to self-isolate for eight days at the weekend. Um, And this is despite having had her second COVID vaccination in early April. Moira, I know that you only stopped shielding in March. So how did you feel when you got the text telling you that you had to stay inside again? I felt quite annoyed and anxious because everything's opening up, but suddenly I had to isolate again. That must have felt very cruel. It did, really. That, that was where my annoyance came from. I thought I'd done everything... Well, I had done everything right. I'd done all the shielding, which was quite difficult, and being really careful. Suddenly, life was beginning again, and then I was told that I had to isolate again. And were you confused at all by this? Because, I mean, you must have felt very excited when you had your second vaccine. Oh, I did. (laughs) I was quite shocked, I think. It was a shock to me to receive that message, Um, not least because I had had the vaccination and my second one had been a month before. So I felt that I was safe. And when was it that you were supposedly had contact with somebody who had had COVID? It was last Tuesday, a week ago. I got the text on the Friday, but I had been out to uh, Cheshire Oaks on the Tuesday. Um, Because my daughter also was with me and she got one, that's where we thought it occurred. That was the only day we were together. And have you, you, I'm guessing you haven't had any symptoms or any signs that you might have COVID and nothing like that? None at all. No temperature, no cough, nothing. I felt absolutely fine. But then I've had the vaccinations. And did it make you doubt the effectiveness of the vaccine at all? Not really. It made me doubt track and trace. Oh, really? Yes. I thought, is this right? Is this really real? Should this be happening because of the vaccinations. I haven't really doubted the vaccinations because my opinion is is they are working. And so what do you think that the rules for fully vaccinated people should be? Do you think that fully vaccinated people should be able to do whatever they want now? Well, yes. I mean, as regards cruising, things like that, there's one of the cruise lines that we've been on pre-lockdown. They now insist that you're fully vaccinated and need proof. And I think I I would be happy to do that. But I think that if you're fully vaccinated, obviously I still take precautions. I don't go very close to people I don't know. I'm not hugging people. So I just feel that there should be some sense shown by those in authority that decide on these things. It's almost like they're taking away your freedoms. Hmm. How how has it been so far, having to self-isolate? Has it felt quite lonely and, and a bit odd? It has. And I know it's not long, but it feels longer. And I think that's because where we live in a holiday town, everything's opening up. But I can't join in. I can't go for a drink. I can't go out for lunch. I can't mix with anyone here. At the moment, I can't see my daughter. I can't see my son, who I've not seen for months and months. 
So, yes, it's a short time, but it feels longer. Well, Moira, listen, thank you so much for finding some time to talk to us today. Well, there you have it, poor old Moira. It feels really unfair, doesn't it? I really felt for her. I mean, as she says, it's not the the worst thing in the world, but it feels like an awful long time. But I guess the other thing is, and as you know, my own personal trigger... Which one? (laughs) ...thing (laughs) is being told to do things that are pointless. Yes, yes. I hate that. Yeah. You know, if you're a policymaker, you should always be prepared to revise and renew your views on things and move with... The latest thinking, and I I do think throughout this uh, pandemic, there's been a certain amount of, what is the word? Is it inertia? I'm going to say yes. I think. (laughs) Or is it the reverse of that? I think that once people view your policies as stupid or nonsense... You lose them. You completely lose trust. And I think this is the same as those pointless one-way systems. It's really, I mean, it seems to me... Temperature checks. Yeah, temperature checks. Oh, (laughs) I had my temperature today. Apparently I was 41 degrees. But, what downstairs? Yeah, but then they just moved me to the next one, which was fine. So then they let oh, me go. Oh, that's a good uh, security measure there. Yeah, just Cheers. try try Thanks another machine. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but some scientists think that this measure is necessary. Yes, and we're just about to speak to one actually. Professor Lawrence Young, who is a virologist at the University of Warwick, is on the line now. Professor Young, is it really necessary to make fully vaccinated people self-isolate? Yeah, I think it's not so much about self-isolate. I do think being fully vaccinated doesn't mean you're 100% protected. So I think being cautious, particularly if you are indoors in poorly ventilated spaces and you're not in your general sort of home environment, there still is a risk, I think. And I think just at the moment when levels of infection are on the increase again, it is sensible just to be careful. So why is it that that's okay for the CDC in the US, that they've ruled that people don't have to self-isolate if they're fully vaccinated? I think there's a slightly different approach here, really. And I guess there are just differences in the way that we're looking at things. There are three main reasons I think we need to be careful. You know, we know that vaccines aren't 100% effective. When you're vaccinating millions of people, there are going to be small numbers, but significant numbers of people who could still get infected. That's one, one issue. We know also that the timing of vaccination means that it does take some time for you to develop a protective immune response um, after vaccination. So you've got to have two doses and you've got to wait a couple of weeks after the final dose. And there's a still you know, a lack of understanding really about virus spread and the degree to which these vaccines prevent you from getting infected and from then spreading the infection. So I think there's still a lot of concerns about this. And I think wearing face masks and and sticking to some of the other measures like social distancing and hand washing where necessary i think that i think we need to keep keep that going for a while until we've got community levels of infection really low in this country professor young this is something that's come up um, again and again uh, throughout the pandemic whether or not the uh, vaccine stops you from transmitting the virus i thought that it had been decided that you didn't just carry it and uh, you know transmit it if you've been vaccinated yeah the data is suggestive the real world data is suggestive of the fact that once you're vaccinated you do have some reduction in your ability to get infected yourself and therefore for the virus to sort of grow in your body and spread. But we're not sure about the level of that. There is something called sterilizing immunity that sometimes happens with other vaccines where you get vaccinated and it's impossible for you to ever get infected. We're not sure that's the case 
with SARS-CoV-2 virus and with the current vaccines. And I think we're waiting to see that data. All the indications are that once vaccinated, you are protected to some degree from getting infected, but we're not sure about the level. And I think it's whilst we're still uncertain that we just need to exercise some caution. There's no question that we'll be getting that data, some of that data coming along soon. Um, and there's some data already coming out of Israel that suggests that transmission is blocked once, you, once you're vaccinated. But again, it's not 100% and it varies from study to study. So I think we just need to see more real world data on that. So you're saying that people that would be asked to quarantine themselves if they'd come into contact with someone with COVID would be asked to do so in Britain because uh, there is a concern that they could unknowingly be spreading the virus. I think that's the the case. And I'm not so sure, to be honest with you, whether quarantine is a bit extreme when you're thinking about fully vaccinated people. But I'm more concerned, I think, as many of us are, about the fact that it is inappropriate to to, to completely abandon all of the isolation rules once because you're fully vaccinated. And therefore, I think a lot of this is is more about thinking, um, you know, about the use of face masks in indoor areas and also keeping some social distancing inappropriate spaces and and hand washing i think the the issue of being of, of needing to isolate when you're fully vaccinated is is more, is more questionable but the problem is you know we don't, we really we still don't know and particularly we don't know when we're facing virus variants that might be more transmissible and might also be able to infect you even though you have been fully vaccinated That's really interesting. So would you suggest perhaps then something, maybe a shorter self-isolation period? Or do you think that right now when there's unknowns about the variants, it's better to just keep things as they are? Yeah, as I say, I I think there's still a lot of unknowns here. And and on the one hand, I would say, well, you you think self-isolation after coming into contact with somebody is a bit extreme. But it's quite clear that people can get infected again either when they've been previously infected with the virus or indeed when they've been fully vaccinated. And as I say, the problem at the moment is I think there's just too many unknowns about the spread of the virus and the fact that the variant, and we're seeing this now with the Indian variant in the United Kingdom, is probably more transmissible. And data coming out of India is also showing that if you're um, fully vaccinated, you can get infected and possibly spread the virus further. The likelihood of getting very sick is, is, is reduced significantly, and that's one of the things that the, the vaccine does. It stops severe disease, but it doesn't necessarily stop you getting infected and getting some disease, and it may not, uh, it may not stop people who are fully vaccinated from spreading infection. So I think it's, it's, keep, so, so I think it's just keeping a tabs on all of that. And, and it's just, it's just as, like many things at the moment, there are still these big unknowns Um, particularly when it comes to variants. And that's why we just need to be careful. Professor Young, we already have this problem with people refusing the vaccines. I think some people have called them refuseniks. And so do you not worry that this still implementing these rules kind of risks undermining the effectiveness of the vaccines? I think it's quite an interesting question about what freedoms will take place after you've been vaccinated and whether there is any opportunity to incentivize vaccination for those individuals who are hesitant. And I think people that are often hesitant for a number of different reasons. And one of the things we really do need to do is is persuade folk of the the benefits of vaccination, not only for themselves, but for other people. So I think, you know, in a way, it is a difficult balancing act, to be honest with you, between being cautious at the moment so that we don't end up in a situation where more vulnerable people in our in the population are getting infected or reinfected and getting sick 
and also making sure that we get as many people fully protected with the vaccine as possible. I think everything will change when we can get levels of infection in the community low. I mean, we're still seeing you know, almost 2,000 cases of infection every day. It may well increase over the next few days because of what happened on Monday. And I think you know, the levels of infection probably need to get much lower before we can be confident that we can get back to you know, a more normal situation where fully vaccinated individuals have all the the freedoms associated with being protected from infection. Professor Lawrence Young, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Eve, I have this theory that a certain percentage of people um, who will have a vaccine will do so, uh, you know, for the greater good, for the fact that it's going to protect the rest of society, et cetera, et cetera, even if, even if they don't personally benefit. But something that I've heard over and over again from people who say they don't want to have the vaccine is that they don't feel personally at risk, so why should they? Um, and I, I worry that this whole, you know, making people quarantine even though they've had the vaccine feeds into this idea of, well, what's the point anyway? You know, if they're going to tell me to quarantine even when I've had it, maybe it doesn't even work that kind of a thing. Absolutely. Interestingly, I've heard some people say in the state, some public health experts in the state say that the reason why the CDC have introduced this interim guidance is actually to encourage people to get the vaccine as an incentive because they have such a huge problem with people refusing it. And I think another point to make is that, you know, while for some people quarantining will be simply an inconvenience, uh, for others... It will have a direct impact on their employment, for instance, or, you know, I mean, if you've got a situation with parents who've got childcare issues or, you know, there's a whole myriad reasons that you could see it being a real problem having to quarantine, especially if you think you've done everything right to, you know, have both doses of the jab and, and all those kinds of things. Absolutely. And then you're clearly just put off doing it again. If What if you get pinged again? If you've had a horrible mm. time the first time self-isolating? Yeah. Well, let's talk to a scientist who has this view, public health expert Monica Gandhi, who is Professor of Medicine at the University of California, San Francisco. Professor Gandhi, thanks very much for finding some time to talk to us. Professor Gandhi, we currently require people who have been fully vaccinated to quarantine should they come into contact with someone who's COVID positive. Do you think this is a good idea? You know, I don't think it's a good idea. And actually here in the US, the CDC um, has recommended otherwise. So if you are fully vaccinated, uh, we do not require quarantining here in the US uh, if you've been exposed to COVID and you remain asymptomatic. In fact, you can actually go back to work or whatever you're doing the next day. And so what is the thinking behind that? Because over here, scientists say we should err on the side of caution, that we don't know how much people who have been vaccinated could possibly carry the virus and transmit it in an asymptomatic way, which is why they're telling people they still need to isolate should they be exposed to it. You know, we didn't know the answer to that question in December 2020, when all the clinical trials had come out of the Pfizer, the Johnson & Johnson, the AstraZeneca, um, the uh, Moderna vaccine. We actually do know the answer to that question now. We have about 11 studies, including many that have been performed in the UK uh, uh, through the SIREN study, which is among healthcare workers that have been vaccinated in the UK, where if you swab 
people after they've had the vaccine and they still feel well, so they're asymptomatic, the chance of having asymptomatic infection in your nose that you could transmit to others goes down by about 90 to up to 100%. Um, so, and as the circulating virus goes down in our communities with mass vaccination, you're very unlikely to even be exposed to it. So it really, we really do know the answer to this question now that vaccines block what's called asymptomatic infection as well as symptomatic infection. And with all these 11 studies at this point, um, the CDC here in the United States actually even talked about mask wearing for vaccinated individuals and said it's not necessary to wear a mask because you really can't transmit after vaccination. So we do want to take all that data and put it together when we make public health decisions for places like your country because there are other things to concentrate on that we've spent so long on COVID. And I always think let's let's turn our attention to what we need to be also focusing on, which are other public health concerns. So just to get it clear, you you don't believe that people who have been fully vaccinated should even be wearing masks? Well, that is the CDC guidance uh, here in uh, the United States as of May 13th. To be fair, it, it's generated a lot of uh, discussion and controversy, but the data is clear. Actually, after vaccination, especially if you remain asymptomatic, you are very unlikely to transmit. On the order of, let's just be clear, we haven't documented transmission if you're asymptomatic from someone who's vaccinated to another person. You can transmit if you're symptomatic. And in fact, the important thing about that is that we do recommend in this country screening if you've been vaccinated and you get symptoms. At that point, stay away from others, isolate, and get tested for COVID-19. But if you don't have symptoms, it's not just all these studies that show you have a reduction in asymptomatic infection that I cited. There's actually four other studies that show that um, that you have very low viral loads in your nose after an exposure. I actually call that the success of the vaccines because what happens is you may be exposed to a virus, you, you're, all your nice immunity in your nose swoops in to fight it, your IgG, it's called your IgA, your T cells, and they swoop in, they fight it, and they keep that virus load so down you can't transmit it. And so that's why the recommendations have been made here in the U.S., no, you do not isolate after you've been exposed if you're asymptomatic. Mm. Professor Gandhi, hi, it's Eve. Uh, just wanted to butt in here. The studies that you've spoken about um, with regards to the efficiency of the vaccines, is that with AstraZeneca as well? Because from, from what I've seen, the data shows that there's about a 65% reduction in asymptomatic infections in healthcare workers who have been given the AstraZeneca vaccine. But with Pfizer and Moderna, the studies are showing it's about 90%. Is that right? Well, that's a great question. So the large SIREN study um, that was performed in healthcare workers in the UK with the AstraZeneca vaccine did show that you could still have it in your nose, but a very important feature got lost in that discussion and in that paper, which is that what are called the cycle thresholds of the PCR test. So let me explain that. You've done a lot of PCR testing in your country of healthcare workers and other vaccinated individuals after the AstraZeneca rollout. And in that SIREN study, which was published in The Lancet, 
as a preprint and it's going into the Lancet as a full paper, they actually examine the cycle thresholds of the PCR test. That is how many times the PCR machine has to cycle to get to a value that shows the virus. And they have to, the CT values after vaccination are so high that those PCR tests show that the virus is not infectious at that point to others. It is a very important, we really do need to remember that PCR testing does need to include cycle thresholds to examine if a virus is infectious or not. So am I getting it right that the PCR test's so sensitive it's picking up such tiny amounts of the COVID virus um, that they wouldn't be infectious? Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. If the cycle threshold's high, it's such tiny amounts of virus you can't pass it. It's not infectious. So does that mean that 65% figure is a conservative estimate and in fact it's likely to be actually higher than that? Correct. And in fact, I really looked at that paper closely with the AstraZeneca vaccine because I was curious if, um, is there something about the AstraZeneca that maybe the vaccine doesn't produce enough what's called mucosal immunity or immunity in your nose. And that paper actually did incorporate CT values because it's important to do that. And the CT or cycle threshold values were high. So it really is very unlikely that you would have infectious virus if you don't have symptoms after vaccination. Symptoms, another story, but not if you don't have symptoms. Because if you had symptoms, you'd be one of the one in 10 or so people that the vaccine hadn't worked on. So you could still catch it. Right. Yeah. Something that's been bothering Eve and me is the idea that by keeping unnecessary restrictions in place, we are essentially punishing people who have done everything right. And then we risk really losing them going forward. You know, we're going to be asking everyone to have a booster in October, you know, etc. And if they think, oh, well, I'm going to have to quarantine anyway all the time and I'm my job is going to be in jeopardy and all those kinds of things, we're going to lose people by the end of the year if we don't catch up to this new way of thinking pretty quickly. Indeed, I actually really appreciate the CDCs in the U.S.'s nuanced thinking about this because they are keeping track very assiduously of breakthrough infections. So they're not, it's not like they're not um, sequencing and keeping track of breakthroughs, but their breakthroughs are defined as symptomatic cases after vaccination, not asymptomatic. And I think what happened in the UK is, in both countries, the US and the UK maybe didn't the beginning control it as well as they might, that's for sure. But you, of all countries, have done the best job I've ever seen about mass vaccination. And what I find really positively motivating is giving people hope and celebration for the future um, after having gone through such a difficult time. And I think if you keep on focusing on something that is not causing, I believe you had what, two deaths across the entire UK the other day from this infection. I mean, this really is what I call, you have defanged the virus. You have really made this virus what we call endemic instead of epidemic. It is not causing excess deaths. And uh, at a certain point, yes, you do have to give people their lives back if um, this is not causing severe disease and it's not. Um, and so I do think everyone will come around to it in the sense that look at that paper carefully, look at cycle thresholds, really think if you can't pass it on after vaccination and you don't have symptoms, then why are we doing so much testing? Because that also drains healthcare resource dollars. 
Professor Gandhi, why do you think, is given all of this that you say, why do you think it is then that the UK have not decided to do away with self-isolation after fully vaccinating people and the US have? Do you think it's a political decision? I, you know what I actually think? Yes, I think these things become political. I think what happened is Boris, your prime minister, got really criticised. And so now there's almost an overkill of doing everything possible to uh, to be cautious. But if you swab someone's nose, you have it's a high value. What have you done? Like you've just kind of taken them out of a circulation for 10 days. Um, so like even that siren study actually was looking at it. And I thought, wow, you've done 2 million PCR tests on uh, on healthcare workers who are asymptomatic since since vaccinating them. I kept in thinking how much did that cost? There was some suggestion that it had something in the US, it had something to do with the high numbers of vaccine refusals that you guys have and that it was used. You kind of alluded to this earlier that it was it was used as an almost as an incentive to get people to take the vaccination because they would benefit from not having to self-isolate. There is no question that you have done an amazing job of getting people to accept the vaccine. And we have variability across our country of vaccine refusal and positive motivation. Like you get your life back. You don't have to wear a mask. You get to go and be around others is something that we seem to need, at least by our studies. Uh, here are focus groups of people who are hesitating. So that is an absolute truth. But it, I, no one is being put at risk by a strategy for not testing asymptomatic vaccinated individuals because of the low viral loads, because of the not documented transmission with asymptomatic. Again, we screen symptomatic. Mm. Well, Professor Gandhi, you've given us a lot to think about. Thanks very much for finding time to talk to us. Hi. Sorry to interrupt your listening, but there's another great podcast from the Mail on Sunday you might want to try. Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, offering a weekly look into the life of Britain's most unfiltered columnist. That's me. Find us at mailplus.co.uk. Well, Eve, I've been wrong about many a thing over the last year. And we'll probably continue to be, but I'm going to call it. Um, mm-hmm. I think they should definitely, having listened to both sides of the argument, I think they should just do away with it. I, I think there's no reason for us to, in this instance, it's quite a small thing, isn't it? And there's no reason for us to be punishing, you know, people like Moira's, who we heard from earlier in the show, you know, who's done everything right and just happened to walk past someone at the supermarket who then tested positive. I do agree with you, but my only doubt would be for people who do happen to be symptomatic, for whom the the vaccine doesn't work, that small percentage. And actually, when we're talking about several hundred thousand, the numbers can grow quite quickly. I hear you, Mm. but I also agree with what Professor Gandhi said, that we do need to really start focusing on all of the other things that have gone wrong over the last year. You know, we have this incredible vaccine. Everyone's having it. The programme is a huge success. And, you know, continuing to ask people to do things that they Mm. don't want to do. I, I just think you risk losing you know, you risk losing the crowd. Yeah, and it is one of those things, isn't it, that if we're going to tell people the vaccines work, we have to stick to that. They work, they're brilliant, end of story sort of thing. Yeah. So what would you do? Oh, well, many things. Um, If we put you in charge. If I was king of the world. um, 
I think until perhaps mid-June, I would keep things as they are because I think it's this is a really crucial point and I think we don't know what's going to happen when we let people gather indoors. So I am slightly worried about that. But yeah. until we start to see whether there's going to be any effect, then I think if things are relatively stable, there's not a significant rise in infection, then mm. we can open the gates. I just want to add one more thing off the back of our recent series of shows on and articles on the uh, crisis in GP surgeries. The GPs, I've heard reports, are now still not wanting to go into work despite being fully vaccinated, now saying... Sorry, not not wanting to go into work, but obviously they've been working, but not seeing patients face in person, face to face. Yeah. Face to face. We've had reports just today from doctors that have told us that they know of GPs who say because of the Indian variant, despite the fact they're vaccinated, they still don't want to see patients face to face. And I believe that they're they're victims of this mixed messaging too. So, mm. you know, I think. As I said before, that when the science moves on, you have to change policy to reflect that. And if anyone's listening, can we stop doing temperature checks in the foyer <laughs> of our work as well? Because they do nothing to protect us. Please. As we've said many times. And one-way systems and in Marks and Spencers. I probably won't be here next week because surely they'll sack me <laughs> this time. That is all we have time for. <laughs> Unfortunately, you can get all of the latest health news in this week's The Mail on Sunday and visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. You can follow me on Twitter and ask me questions at Barney Kalman. That's B-A-R-N-E-Y-C-A-L-M-A-N. And you can follow me at Eve Simmons without the O. So that's spelt at Eve, E-V-E-S-I-M-M-N-S. And also you can follow us on Twitter by searching at Mail Plus. We'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you then.